0: Welcome back to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The Men's World Cup is over, but now it's time for the women. I'm going to have Women's World Cup episodes all summer long, breaking down all the storylines and all the fun. My name is Peter Roman. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And let's dive right in. Welcome to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. This is going to be part two of my round of 16 review. So, we have the final four games that I haven't talked about yet. We have England-Nigeria. We have the Australia versus Denmark. Colombia versus Japan. And, of course, France versus Morocco. I will start with England-Nigeria. So, this game unfortunately ended... 0-0 Zero, 0 and Nigeria ended up losing this game on penalty kicks I was gutted for the African side because in my opinion I think Nigeria were the better team in this game and unfortunately they ended up losing the game it's football it's how it goes sometimes but it was definitely definitely a tough result I was definitely cheering for the underdog in this one England find a way to prevail in PKs. They did a really good job in the shootout as well. For Nigeria, unfortunately, not a good shootout for them. But let's get into the game. So even though it was 0-0, there was a lot of excitement. Um, First, the big kind of note from this game was Ashwala didn't start for Nigeria because she's, I guess, dealing with an injury, a knee injury, supposedly, according to the commentary. That obviously sucks. However, and this might be a controversial statement, I actually think Nigeria played better without her in the game. Because it felt like when Oshawa came into the game in the second half that they tried to just force-feed her the ball a little bit too much versus when she was off the field, they were a little more free in playing it to the open player more often than not and not trying to force-feed one specific player. That was just a personal thing that I thought I saw out of their attack. But let's break down the game. So... In the 16th minute, and again, I apologize if I butcher names, uh, Tray, the left back for this Nigeria team, she ended up smashing the ball off the crossbar, and then Earps had to make a really good save just shortly after, and man, oh, that, like, when that shot came off, I really thought it was going in, and I know that a lot of the reaction on social media was certainly of the same mindset. They definitely thought it was going in, rang off the crossbar, and so kept it at 0-0 England ended up getting a penalty kick in the 30th minute that VAR ended up taking away correctly in my opinion now this wasn't like this wasn't in my opinion a complete black or white decision like this was kind of a very weak foul and one that in my opinion should not have been called and in my opinion was correctly reversed however I see an argument the other way i just don't think that would be the case i just don't think there was enough contact to warrant a foul in that situation just my personal opinion having been a referee for five years so so that was a big moment in the game was england had a penalty taken away and then we had the second half of the game where nigeria again had a lot of chances they had a lot of good crosses a lot of dangerous moments Daily actually came the closest, I think, on the England side of things. She had a brilliant header that ended up getting saved by um inado Inna- Okay. I really struggle with the goalkeeper's name. In I was probably really wrong, but I, I really tried it's yeah. I really tried to like practice that before I did this. But the goalkeeper for Nigeria made a great save on her. And that was kind of England's only real chance of the second half. Otherwise, it was mostly Nigeria in control. And then we had the big red card moment. So England's best player in this tournament, or at least the person who I think has been the best player in the tournament, Lauren James ended up getting sent off because she stepped on the back of a Nigerian player by the name of Alozi. So initially, this was given a yellow card on the field. VAR, in my opinion, correctly intervened. And told the ref to go look at it and then the decision was made that this should be a red card. In my opinion this was a violent conduct play which warrants a red card and so Lauren James was sent off uh, towards the end of like regular time. So England were going into extra time like the additional 30 minutes down a player because Lauren James got sent off. Lauren James will be suspended for at least the quarterfinal game but we'll see how far that goes because With these kind of plays, sometimes they end up being more than one game. But we'll have to keep an eye on it. So, anyway. In the extra time, not a whole lot happened. I was actually a little disappointed Nigeria weren't a little more, like, ruthless. A little more, like, forcing the action and trying to really press England into getting a goal. Because, in my opinion, when you're up a player and if the other team is tired, if you can press them, and more importantly, just pepper them with shots. Just nonstop attack. Really go for the kill. Go for the win. And I don't think Nigeria... I think Nigeria was almost a little too content, in my opinion, settling for PKs in the additional 30 minutes. But, you know, those are mistakes you live and you learn from, right? But then we get to the shootout, and England, their shooters made their kicks, and Nigeria didn't. They had some really bad ones that unfortunately missed the net. And so heartbreaker for the Nigerian team and they're going home they became very close (laughs) maybe the closest we've seen because no African team has ever won a knockout game at the women's world cup I mean if there's anybody closer than this Nigeria team I mean I don't know Nigeria were the better team in this game I think they deserve to win unfortunately as beautiful and as exciting sports can be they can be just as cruel at the same time For England, they can breathe a sigh of relief because they got away with this game. But, man, it's – outside of that China game, it has not been impressive from the European champions. And I get it. I get it. Like, half the team that won the European championships, like, half the team that won the Euros isn't here because of injuries and other things. So, I get it. But they still have, like, a lot of really good players out there, and I feel like they should be playing better. But, Either way, England at least got the job done. They're through to the next round. And we'll, we'll see. Like, I have my doubts as to whether or not England can actually win this whole tournament. But could they win another round and go to the semis? Yes, I definitely think they could. But we'll have to wait and see. Unfortunately, Nigeria goes home. But considering all the turmoil that they're dealing with on and off the field with their federation, I think... What Nigeria accomplished at this World Cup was amazing. They were able to get out of the group and eliminate the Olympic champions in Canada. Like, that's, that's humongous. They also beat Australia. They're the only team to have beaten Australia so far. Little spoiler. So, yeah. It's, it's a tournament to remember for Nigeria. They should be very proud of their performance. It's just a shame. They, they couldn't get one to go in against England in this game. All right, on to the next game. We had Denmark versus Australia. This game ended up finishing 2-0 in favor of the hosts as Australia move on to the quarterfinals, eliminating Denmark. So this game, in my opinion, had a couple big moments, but for the most part was pretty straightforward. Australia were the better team in this game. They deserved to go through. Australia opened the scoring thanks to a brilliant pass by Mary Fowler. Fowler's pass sent in Caitlin Ford. Ford was in all alone and slotted it into the back of the net to put Australia up 1-0 in the first half. Great attack from the Australians. Denmark caught out defensively and that happened again on the second goal. Haley Rasso ended up getting the second. Fowler, again, just, she was the player of the match for me. Like, Fowler's passing in this game, Fowler's movement in this game, was on point. She really had command of the game and it led to the second goal that rasso ended up scoring van egman got a beautiful little assist laying it off for her and so that put australia up two nothing and that was all they needed to advance to the next round sam kerr also finally made her world cup debut she came on for the last like 10 minutes or so it looked a little rusty as you would expect someone coming off a calf injury but the fact that she was able to go at all is great for the australians And I hope she can play a bigger role in their next game, because they're probably going to need her. But a dominant victory for the Australians. For Denmark, they just seemed a little outmatched in this game. I thought Harder did a pretty good job generating some offense, but it felt like she was the only one who was really able to get anything going for this team. It just didn't feel like they really ever truly pressured the Australians defensively. And, you know, that's a shame, because I think... Denmark overall had themselves a pretty good tournament, but just not a good game individually in this one. And again, it's always going to be tough. You're facing the hosts, and this Australia team is pretty good. So for Denmark, their journey ends, unfortunately, at the round of 16. I think they should be incredibly proud. They made the round of 16 for the first time since 1995. And, you know, they were at least competitive in this game, even if maybe a little outmatched. And you know, never really that threatening to win, but you know, it's, this wasn't like a blowout or anything like that. Denmark, I think did themselves very proud in this tournament ultimately, just, you know, not a, not the best performance on the day kind of thing. For Australia, they're going through into the quarterfinals, and so we will have a host nation in the final eight. It is always better for the tournament if the host at least goes somewhat far because it keeps the fan interest up, it keeps the attendance up for the tournament, generally speaking. So Australia is through to the quarterfinals. We'll see if they can go a step further because the last two hosts, Canada and France, have both gone out in the quarterfinal stage. We'll see if Australia can break that trend as they go into their quarterfinal game. So... That's pretty much it for that game. Moving on to Columbia and Jamaica. So, Colombia won this game 1-0, the final score. They became the first team to finally score on the Jamaican defense. Jamaica's defending, again, was exceptional in this game. In my opinion, though, of all the round of 16 games, this had to be the most boring. There just wasn't that much offense. Like, in the first half, it was kind of cagey. Neither team really, like was able to generate a whole lot. It was a lot of physicality and things like that, but not a lot of like great scoring chances or anything like that. In the second half, it opened up for a few minutes there. And in the 51st, Colombia got their goal. It was a great ball from Guzman over to Usme, who ended up burying it for the Colombians to put them ahead. And then there was a crazy crazy sequence where Jamaica nearly put the ball in. They ended up hitting the post from a free kick only to have Columbia spring a counterattack that was denied, although probably offside. But either way, it was that was exciting. And then Drew Spence in the 81st minute had a golden opportunity to head it into the net. Unfortunately, she missed. And that was it for Jamaica. That was probably their best chance to tie the game. And that was it. And it ended 1-0 the final. Columbia go through. That is the first victory, by the way by a South American nation in the knockout stage of the Women's World Cup for the South American teams that aren't Brazil. Brazil is the only South American team who have won a knockout game prior to the Colombia win. So congratulations to Colombia for making history, and they will be playing England in the quarterfinals. For Jamaica, ultimately a tremendous tournament for them. They had to deal with so much crap off the field. The fact that they made the round of 16 at all, is extremely impressive. They only gave up one goal throughout four games. Very, very impressive defensively. Sadly, they only scored one goal in those games. So not enough offense, but plenty of defense. And something to build on. That's the biggest thing for this Jamaican team. This is something that you can genuinely build on and try to improve and come back even stronger next time. For Colombia, they're going through to the quarterfinals, as I said, they will be playing England. So, you know, Colombia did beat Germany. Now, granted, Germany didn't even make it out of the group, but I don't think this Colombian team is going to be phased. I don't think they're gonna be scared of England. I think it should be a very competitive, highly entertaining quarterfinal match. So I can't wait to watch. And of course, it'll be interesting to see because England will be without Lauren James, of course, who got the red card. And Colombia, they have their own little superstar that England will have to try and stop. So we'll see how it goes. But either way, not the most exciting game ever, but a big-time win for the Colombians. So that brings us to our final game of the round of 16, France and Morocco. So this game, unfortunately, was basically over in the first half. France tore them apart. And it was 3-0 after 1. Diani scored in the 15th minute. Dali scored in the 20th minute. And Les Omer in the 23rd. Basically, all of these attacks were generated because France were able to exploit the wings. Like, Les Omer and Diani would quite often, like, drift out wide only to cut back in the middle. Dali and Bacha on the wings were just a nightmare for the Moroccans. They just They had such a difficult time dealing with that and it ended up being 3-0 after the first half. France got a fourth goal in the second half and that was it. That was all she wrote for this game. Sadly not Morocco's best performance. I thought their midfield like their center midfield pair did okay like Chebak and Nakash but I mean I don't know. They're just defensively it was kind of a fire drill back there. Like they just couldn't defend the France attack. They couldn't deal with the speed. They couldn't deal with the width. And that was ultimately a game, set, match. So tough one for Morocco. But considering, you know, the expectations of this team and everything else, they should be incredibly proud of the tournament that they have put forward. And they have definitely done their entire nation very proud. This was a truly historic tournament for Morocco. They got two wins in this world cup they beat south korea and they beat colombia and you know they lost to germany and france but i mean a lot of teams <laughs> lose to germany and france i don't think there's any shame in that and of course i have to talk about benzina benzina is the first ever women's world cup player to wear a full hijab while she plays and in my opinion having players Be able to play, you know, wearing the hijab is a good thing because there are a lot of people that believe in, you know, that religion. And a lot of young girls wear hijabs. And for them to see someone on the world stage who they can relate to, who they can look at and be like, I can be like her someday. And for them to feel like sports aren't an obstacle, aren't something that, you know, like this is something they can do. This is something that they are capable, they are very capable of doing. I think that's inspiring. So, yeah, Benzina, easily one of the best stories of the World Cup. You know, it's not easy being the first, that's for sure, whether it's wearing a hijab, whether it's, you know, being openly gay or, you know, whether it's, you know, being the first, like, player of color or whatever, whatever it is, like, it's not easy being the first. But there has to always be a first. And then that will hopefully lead to seconds and thirds and fourths. And pretty soon, the hope is that players can wear whatever they want. And no one will judge them for it. No one will think otherwise, it'll just be considered normal. Maybe that's a utopian dream. But that's the way I feel is that I hope eventually we can get to a point where all of this stuff just doesn't matter. It's just people wear what they wear and people are who they are. And we accept that and we just, we play. Because it's football, it's the beautiful game, so. But again, Morocco, great tournament. For France, they move on to the quarterfinals to play Australia. Now I have to be 100% honest about this this is my most anticipated quarterfinal game. Out of all the ones, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Because in my opinion, both teams, I feel like have equal, like have an equal like number of things at stake here. So Australia are obviously hosting this thing, but Australia have also never made the semifinals before at the Women's World Cup. So Australia is looking to make history and advance to the semifinals for the first time ever. France has only done it once. They made it in 2011 to the semifinals. Outside of that, they haven't been here. So both teams have a chance to realistically make the final at this point. And I think it's going to be a great game. I think these are two very, very talented teams. And they both, like, if they... Whichever team loses this game, it feels like this is going to be looked at as a disappointment for both teams if they lose. But if they win, true elation, true joy, and it'll be considered a success if they win, and the tournament will be considered kind of a disappointment if they lose. And I don't know if any other game really has those stakes on that game in the same way. Like, if Colombia lose, I don't think it's viewed as a disappointment in the same way that it would be for either France or Australia. And same thing if Spain lost... Same thing if the Netherlands lost. And same thing if Japan or Sweden lost. At least in my opinion. I think for both of these teams, they should feel like they sh- like they should be the ones going to the semis. So I can't wait. France-Australia should be a fantastic quarterfinal game. And to be honest, they all sound pretty great. England-Colombia will be an interesting match. Japan and Sweden will likely be a tactical cage match. But I'm looking forward to that one as well. And then, of course, Netherlands and Spain... One of those two is also going to the semifinals. We are getting down to the knit and gritty of the Women's World Cup. And so I, yeah, this is what I live for. I love these knockout games. They're always very exciting. Lots of drama. Lots of pressure. And one final note before I end this episode. There's a very good chance that we get a new champion. Japan is the only previous champion left in the tournament. Sweden has never won the Women's World Cup. Netherlands, Spain have never won it. Australia, France, as I mentioned, have never won it. England has never won this thing. Colombia has never won this thing. So, unless Japan wins the tournament, we will have a new champion this year, which I think is great and very, very exciting. So I can't wait to see who makes the final, who makes the semifinals. And so... That's it. That's all I got for this episode. So, coming up next, I won't have a quarterfinal preview. I just don't have the time in my own personal schedule. So, I will have quarterfinal reviews when those games finish up, and so I'll talk about those games, and then I will be able to do a semifinal preview in preparation for those games. It's just the way my schedule worked out. I don't have time sadly to do a quarterfinal preview, but I will do a semifinal preview. And then, of course, I will be breaking down the World Cup final when we get that match. But be on the lookout after the conclusion of the quarterfinals for more of my reviews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The music is from Pixabay. There will be new episodes throughout the Women's World Cup, so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2023 World Cup.